Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. Joining us today is Valerie Taylor, an associate professor of psychiatry and behavioral neuroscience at McMaster University in Ontario, Canada. Thank you, Dr. Taylor, for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. Cardiovascular disease is the largest cause of death among women. Major depression is also an illness more common in women than men. So the question is if the combination puts women at an extra risk. I want to point out that the heart attack depression death relationship is not a new topic. In 1993, an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association addressed this very problem, reporting that depressed post-heart attack patients were three to four times more likely to die than non-depressed post-heart attack patients. Now we also have the additional nagging variable of widespread obesity in our society. Okay, so let's pick a question to start with. Is depression a predictor of mortality in women with cardiac disease? And I would say the short answer is yes, in that the two things seem to not just simply be additive, but there seems to be some sort of exponential relationship in that having one increases your risk for the other, and then having two together seems to increase your risk long-term of other cardiac events and other negative physical health outcomes, and then more difficulty in managing depression. So a vicious cycle gets set up. That may be mediated in part by treatment of depression, and there was a research paper that came out simply looking at the impact of antidepressants and their mediating role in the link between cardiovascular illness and depression. And although you pointed out that this is certainly not new, and we know that there's been a link between cardiovascular disease and psychiatric illness, and especially depression, that's been a bit murky at times, and not all of the studies have indicated that that relationship is strong. But more recently now, I think we're starting to understand that there's really a physiological overlap between the two conditions that the treatments of psychiatric illnesses, while necessary, sometimes can increase that risk. And then the gender piece means that women, especially when that group is looked at, are especially vulnerable for the link between sort of cardiovascular illness and depression. One of the things that keeps coming up when reviewing the literature is that on the average, it seems that women's cardiovascular diseases are diagnosed much later in life than a man's. Is, is that part of the problem? Does that complicate things? That certainly complicates things, and that kind of information has really been part of a push towards women getting tested earlier, getting screened earlier, taking physical symptoms a little more seriously. But ironically, we also know that individuals with a mental health diagnosis are much less likely to receive the same kinds of health care, unfortunately, than people without a mental health diagnosis. So the physical conditions may not be given as much credibility? Well, absolutely. So women seem to be vulnerable for a little bit of bias both from the healthcare profession in terms of not taking their symptoms seriously. And then they don't take them as seriously either when they start to experience problems like chest pain. And then psychiatric patients are vulnerable from stigma and bias around getting access to 
mental health follow-up. So when you combine the two groups, women who have a psychiatric diagnosis, the whole access to care plays a significant role. And how much do we know, and this I want to lead into some of the wonderful things that you discuss in, in, in an article that you recently wrote, how much do we know about this from a biological point of view in terms of just gender bias, hormonal issues, obesity? I mean, there's there's a hundred answers because there's a thousand, I should say it this way, there's a thousand questions and a th- 10,000 answers. Where do we even begin on that? I guess we begin from addressing the things that we can actually address. Okay. And one of those would be, first of all, the whole concept of gender bias and the diagnosis and management of cardiovascular disease compounded by stigma of mental illness. And so as we had alluded to a little bit earlier, cardiovascular mortality has declined in the U.S., but in terms of individuals with mental illness, they still have 25 years less life expectancy, and most of that is related to cardiovascular disease, and women are especially vulnerable to both. And so we have to do some education around access to care and taking these kinds of things seriously, highlighting the fact that there does seem to be an additive burden and that women with depression are more at risk. Are we adding to the risk because there is such a large number of people who are obese and we know that obesity adds to cardiovascular risk factors? Absolutely. The obesity epidemic is a huge contributor and women again seem to be especially vulnerable, especially as we get older, we're more likely to start to put on weight in what we call a more male pattern of weight gain and that women, as they enter into perimenopause, are more likely to put on weight centrally. And we know that visceral or central obesity is much more biologically active and that type of weight is more likely to produce a lot of the hormones, peptides that are going to interfere with cardiovascular function. And so as a woman ages, the protective effects to some extent of estrogen and the other hormones seem to be lost. And we then have problems with the psychiatric medications, which again are really important in order to manage the psychiatric illnesses, but carry with them a whole risk of side effects that are often minimized or ignored by a lot of healthcare professionals. It seems like psychiatric drugs predispose someone to putting on weight centrally as well. And so, again, we have this double whammy of two risk factors, medication that causes you to put on weight centrally, simply biological changes that occur in life that causes women to put on weight centrally as they get older, and then the combined burden of these two things on your overall health. Fat becomes biologically active. Once it starts to reach a certain point, it becomes like an endocrine organ on its own. The fat itself, the adipose tissue, can become an endocrine organ? Absolutely, and so it starts to produce its own set of chemicals that can produce cortisol. Macrophages are attracted to the fat tissue. The fat tissue starts to produce inflammatory markers. And so it actually begins to act very much as its own independent endocrine organ and as a consequence plays havoc with normal body systems. And one of the things, one of the systems that is especially vulnerable is your cardiovascular system, especially from the effects of things like the 
markers of inflammation that are both associated with depression and that are produced by fat tissue. These things are cardiotoxic and neurotoxic, making both your cardiovascular function worse and making psychiatric illnesses worse. And so we get into this vicious cycle where once you put on a certain amount of weight, it starts to produce inflammatory markers that will make depression worse. With the worsening of depression, you get an increase in inflammation. With this increase in inflammation, you increase your risk for cardiovascular disease, you have cardiovascular illness, your risk of having worsening depressive episodes afterwards are higher. And so we really do get into a very negative downward spiral. This is a fascinating cascade, and I would go so far as to say most people are are unaware of the connections between the weight and it being basically an endocrine organ and leading to inflammation in, in the results. This is, this is troubling and, and, and fascinating. Absolutely it is, and I think that's one of the things that I very much actually am trying to highlight. The whole focus of my clinical and research career has been on trying to understand why we have premature mortality from physical illness in patients with a psychiatric diagnosis and exactly what types of relationships seem to be set up that creates that kind of association. And first and foremost, much of it seems to be mediated by weight gain. And that then, on top of some of the biological alterations that are associated with mental illness that we don't even understand yet, really create this almost perfect storm where people are especially vulnerable for physical illness and within that subpopulations like children and women are doubly vulnerable. Is there any connection between where a woman is in her menstrual cycle uh, premenopausal versus postmenopausal? Do we have any data about that? Intuitively, we know that risk of cardiovascular disease worsens for women after menopause. And again, it's thought that to some extent estrogen is protective and that once this protective influence is gone, that we're more vulnerable. And as well, with weight gain, that increases with age. And we're, more, we're also more likely to experience what we call metabolic syndrome, which is a, a phrase that's fairly popular in the literature right now, in the physical health literature, which is basically, it's a syndrome diagnosed very much the way we diagnose psychiatric disorders, in that you have to have three of five criteria. And in this case, in order to get metabolic syndrome, you need to have problems with weight and glucose, HDL cholesterol, triglycerides, and blood pressure. And any three of those will give you a diagnosis of metabolic syndrome. And again, having three of these risk factors seems to be not just additive in terms of risk, but there seems to be some kind of exponential risk. And so as you get older, your chances of having metabolic syndrome increase. But then ironically, there have been some studies that have highlighted the fact that among women with mood disorders, there's actually increased risk in younger women. And this is quite disturbing and very troubling. I don't think we understand exactly what that is other than the fact that a woman's life, there are periods of real endocrine fluctuation related to the onset of menstruation and then around pregnancy and that these heightened periods may increase vulnerability in this population. Is there a sense of, from from just the psychiatric point of view, not the, the medical point of view, 
that because women are more prone to mood disturbances, that may be a larger variable than we're measuring. But by the same token, and I need to emphasize this, your discussions of the metabolic syndrome, the obesity, the inflammatory issues, these are very profound concepts and, and I think relatively new to the thinking for most people. Most people are going to look at it and say, oh, it's just a purely psychiatric thing. So this is a very convoluted question. I apologize for that. It's a convoluted question because it's a convoluted answer. Okay. And But simply put, no. I mean, it's not that... Okay, good. But even... Even if it were, think about that. So what you basically said and what some people have used as an argument is that this is simply a psychiatric thing. And so it's a psychiatric thing. Having depression means that you're going to have a heart attack. How is that a psychiatric thing? Mm -hmm. This is not just simply about having depression. There's no reason why having depression should increase your risk of cardiovascular illness if we purely think of depression has a dysregulation in our mood and cardiovascular illness as a problem with the functioning of our heart. There is a complicated interaction between the two. I mean, certainly some of the factors associated with depression, you're less likely perhaps to care about your physical well-being and so you're going to exercise less. You're going to be less inclined to take care of your diet. You're going to have problems with compliance to treatment perhaps and so you're going to be less likely to do proper follow-up after having a heart attack and so those types of health behaviors are going to increase your risk but those things have been looked at and that doesn't seem to explain the relationship between depression and cardiovascular illness it's not simply a consequence of health behaviors and not wanting to take care of one's health Another thing that's really interesting is just looking at the treatment and a, a finding that I was quite surprised about when I was putting together the article on cardiovascular illness is that talk therapies don't seem to work as well in women after having a cardiovascular illness. And I thought that that was quite interesting and something that bears looking into. And so any of the non-pharmacologically based treatments seem to work better for men and in women either don't work at all or actually seem to be detrimental. That's intriguing. It is, and it's really fascinating from sociological perspective. Is it simply because women are less likely to be helped by a type of treatment that really, where someone is taking care of them and it gets back to their sort of caregiver role and women don't want or don't do as well after they're ill being put in that kind of role and they're better at taking care of themselves and taking care of other people because as nurturers, that's what women feel that they should do. I certainly have no idea. Or is it that there is some kind of heightened, completely biological? An unknown metabolic variable that we're just basically overlooking. Absolutely, and that talk therapy is simply not enough for women because the changes within the body system are not amenable to that type of treatment, simply getting their stress under control and making lifestyle changes and learning to change their behavior that these types of non-pharmacological treatments address are not cutting it for women because there's something else going on as well. What I find very intriguing is that psychiatry is moving more into 
the lifestyle elements, uh, in particular talking about obesity in this particular case and its its contribution. And I think it's a key and essential factor because we're going to find new elements. And I agree with you, it makes no sense. The impact of depression is not sufficient to cause so much cardiovascular disease. No, absolutely. And I think all of us that are interested in this field came here because we kept seeing increased physical illness in our patients that really was above and beyond what was expected. And then the results of some large database studies that simply said even if you control for socioeconomic status and education level, knowing that sometimes with chronic mental illness, there's some downward drift and people don't have as good an access to health care perhaps as others. Even when you control for all of those variables, people with a psychiatric illness experience premature mortality from a host of physical illnesses that seems to be mediated by something linking psychiatric and physical illness. And I think we all hope that if we can understand how the conditions are related, we're going to understand a little bit better how we can effectively treat both. For example, with the treatment of depression right now, some of the newer medications that are being developed are anti-inflammatory in nature working on the notion that depression is an inflammatory condition and this is one of the factors that increases vulnerability to cardiovascular illness and to a lot of other physical illnesses and if we can decrease the inflammation we're actually going to be able to treat both the depression and the physical illnesses that we create or that patients with a mood disorder seem vulnerable to. So I think those kinds of things are really fascinating that we've started to move beyond serotonin and these types of treatments into some other areas, especially inflammation. This is intriguing. I think people, all of us, need to follow this developing field. I enjoy the fact that people like you are actually working on it because we need more people to try to, as we say, connect the dots and make the connection correct in in their orientation and uh, with their vectors. Valerie Taylor is an associate professor of psychiatry and behavioral neuroscience at McMaster University in Ontario, Canada. She is working on the interactions of variables and depression, in particular in women, and we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again for highlighting what's a very important issue to me and I hope to a lot of other people. Oh, I think it really is. I really do. And again, have a good day. You too.